Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like this podcast and you want to hear more combat sports news, analysis, and discussions, stay tuned because it's only going to get bigger and better from here. And make sure you share Zendependently Minded with everybody that you know, everyone that you love, respect, and care for because it's only the best podcast out there. So this is the first independently. Well, this is the first combat sports podcast I've done in a couple of weeks. I didn't do one last weekend. I was gonna do one, but I forgot. Or I ran out of time. Didn't really have enough time to do it. And there wasn't really much to talk about because there were no fights. But in that week, there's been a, a a good amount of news and a lot to talk about. So I'm excited to talk again to do another episode and just kind of get some feedback from you guys on. And just just your thoughts on the things I'm going to talk about. So obviously, like always, I'm going to do a whole analysis and prediction for the main card for this fight night. The main event, of course, is Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Uh, Before I get to that, though, I wanted to just kind of give my thoughts and my humble opinion on a a couple other things that have been kind of in the, the forefront of combat sports news. So Jorge Masvidal, obviously, everybody... Everybody knows that at UFC 261, Jorge Masvidal is getting his rematch against Kamaru Usman. And a lot of people are upset with this. And I understand where a lot of people are coming from. And and a lot of people are saying, or they're claiming, I, I actually do think that you're a liar if you act like you're not excited for this fight. Because just what I've noticed is Jorge Masvidal in 2019, he exploded his his star shone so bright in 2019 because he had you know he's 3-0 that year he had three knockouts and you know he had the fastest knockout in UFC history against Ben Askren he knocked out Darren Till in in Darren Till's home country he and then he beat the crap out of Nate Diaz who's a fan favorite and a really tough durable guy so he exploded onto the scene, became really popular. There were talks about him fighting for the title, defending the BMF belt, fighting Conor McGregor even, I saw. Um, He just, you know, he really blew up and he really exploded in popularity. And then the election came around and he, he was a lot more vocal on politics than he usually was. And a lot of people began to underrate him from then on. And I, it's super disrespectful in my opinion. And I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here because when I first started this podcast, I'm not going to, you know, I, I've really grown as an MMA fan and a combat sports fan since I first started because I learned to, I've always respected everybody who got, who was in combat sports, but I've learned to, to have a, a concrete bit of, of respect for people who step into a cage or a ring and, and fight because it's a tough sport and it's not for everybody and it's for a special breed of human but, you know, early on, you can go back to my old podcasts. I haven't deleted them or anything. I wasn't the biggest Jorge Masvidal fan. I, you know, he flew under the radar for most people. And I know so many people out there were like, oh, I've liked him since the beginning. I highly doubt it. <laughs> unless unless you've been watching the UFC since UFC 1, which not a lot of people have. Um, you know, he flew under a lot of people's radar, including mine. I didn't, I never disrespected him. You know, I I did always consider him a gatekeeper when I first started doing this podcast. But like I said, my respect for all fighters has grown and I've learned to be a fan of everybody in the sport of boxing and MMA. 
And then, of course, there are the guys that I am bigger fans of. But just the amount of disrespect and the amount, you know, of underratedness, if that's a word, that Hori Masvidal has received recently, just because people people need to grow up. That's all I'm going to say. Straight up, people need to grow up and stop acting like Jorge Masvidal is just some pushover because he's not. The dude's a veteran. He's got underrated boxing. He's really violent coming out of the clinch. I'm going to talk a lot more about his skill set the, the Friday before UFC 261, of course, when I break down that entire card. But Jorge Masvidal is not a pushover, and this is not going to be an easy fight. Anybody who claims it's going to be an easy fight for either guy is lying or they just, they're a casual. They don't know what they're talking about. People need to grow up and appreciate athletes for what they are, which is an athlete. You do not have to care or listen to anything that any athlete says that's not related to their sport. You don't have to listen to Jorge Masvidal's political spiel. You don't have to watch his conferences and his, uh, I think he, he founded or he led some, some um what do you call it, just some kind of, I think it's a group called Latinos for Trump or something like that, you don't have to listen to that, you don't have to ignore it, it's the internet, nobody's forcing you to listen to it, if you're a fan of him, then watch his fights, if you're a fan of the sport, don't disrespect a pioneer, uh, I shouldn't say pioneer, but a guy that's been there and he's done that, don't, just stop disrespecting Jorge Masvidal, it's ridiculous, and I'm not coming out and saying and predicting that Jorge's gonna knock out Usman, but, you know, I don't want to spoil my opinion and my analysis and prediction, but I'm definitely going to do a little bit more of a breakdown when it comes closer to UFC 261, but people just need to chill. Jorge Masvidal's a gangster. He's been around for a long time, and don't sleep on him. That's all I'm going to say on that. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the news that Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz have agreed to fight I believe it's at UFC 260, I think it's at 262, I think because Nate Diaz was saying something about the new lightweight champion's going to be crowned then, and then always to remember that that's his division or whatever, which is funny, but that's going to be a fun fight, and I'm excited for Leon because he's finally going to get the respect that he deserves, because like I said in the past, with Leon Edwards, I've never been a big fan of him either. Because, you know, there's a his personality's a little it's a little bland. And also I was just really frustrated with the welterweight division because every single guy in like the top seven was tweeting every day they would tweet, one or the other would tweet, all oh, sign the dotted line. And then when it the reports came out, neither guy had signed the dotted line, or the person talking the most trash wasn't signing the dotted line, and it was really annoying. But I'm really happy that Leon Edwards was able to recover from the coronavirus because he, you know, he got a bad case of it. I think I read a report that said he lost like 20 pounds overnight, either from sweating or puking or whatever. And it's scary. It's a scary, it's a scary thing. And to see someone that's so athletic and, and just a freak of nature like him, you know, getting beat down by this disease, it's pretty crazy. And I'm happy that he's, he was able to come back and get a fight. He did fight Bilal Muhammad. He was piecing him up, and I do think he was going to eventually finish him. But, you know, we all know how that fight ended. But I'm glad that he's getting an, a quick turnaround fight against a big name that will get him big respect if he does beat him. And when that comes closer, of course, I'm going to break that down like I always do. But And also, it's fun to see Nate Diaz fight. The Diaz brothers carry 
a big fan base. And that being said, you know, this is a lot of exposure. It'll be a, a really exciting and, you know, big opportunity for either guy to win. I, I'm not saying Nate Diaz will get a title shot after one win, but definitely he'll he'll be closer to being a contender for sure. And yeah, I'm excited about that one. I, I, I'm really excited for the next like three or four months of of UFC specifically. Boxing boxing again is falling back into obscurity. I got excited a little too ahead of myself because Boxing media tricked me into thinking that the Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua fight was... I don't know what's going on here. I want to know whether the fight has been agreed on or not. I'm I'm, I'm like with the UFC. I could care less if so-and-so DM'd Sean Shelby or Dana White about this fight because... That doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything unless the actual fight is agreed on by both parties and there's an official date and venue. And with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, they need to fight each other. These are the two best heavyweights in the world. And now we got Andy Ruiz possibly fighting Deontay Wilder, and then we saw Dillian White make some great adjustments and knock out Alexander Povetkin. So we need this fight to happen. Tyson Fury is the best fighter is the best heavyweight in the world. In my opinion, he's one of the best pound-for-pound boxers in the world. And, you know, he's been out for 14 months because they haven't they haven't gotten a fight for him. And it's ridiculous because him and Anthony Joshua need to fight. That'll be an all-time great. And I'm sure, I, th- I think I read that they, I don't know if it was like signed pen to paper, but they did agree to fight. And now they're like, they're, there's like a deadline coming up on where the venue is. I'm like, who cares where the venue is? Why should it matter? Unless it goes overseas and it's like a big time difference. Like, and that affects the fighters. But come on, we need to see these guys fight. The fight's going to sell. It'll be a really big fight because it's heavyweights and it's two really big names in boxing. Besides that, I mean, there are a lot. I've been watching a lot of boxing, but there are, you know, the people, the the best fighters in the world are not fighting each other. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford have, they should have fought last year, the year before. They should be fighting tomorrow, but they're not. And that's just, it's one of the reasons why boxing is falling, falling out of, like, their popularity is plummeting down the toilet. One thing I always look back to that was, it was such a exciting and revolutionary moment when, Canelo was supposed to be fighting, uh, well, who was he fighting? He was fighting uh, Kovalev. He was fighting Kovalev. He was moving up to light heavyweight, which was a big, you know, was a big deal. When he when he fought Sergey Kovalev, they had to delay that fight because they didn't want to lose viewers because the BMF fight was on. And the idea that this crazy sport that is not even that, it's it's a young sport. It only started a little over 20 years ago. The idea that such a crazy sport like MMA, that, you know, boxing has been around for a long time, but when you put on lighter gloves, you throw in knees, kicks, elbows, all that kind of stuff, wrestling, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing. John McCain, who's a prominent, who was a prominent political figure, he was trying to get, he was trying to outlaw MMA. He was trying to outlaw the UFC, which is crazy. And the fact that boxing, one of up until the UFC gained serious popularity in the 2000, early 2010s, boxing was like, you know, boxing was king. And 
just that pic, that famous picture of, of Canelo and Kovalev like sitting in the back. I think Canelo's laying on a couch waiting for that fight to end. They delayed this massive boxing fight that has millions and millions of dollars in sponsorships and, you know, uh, boxing political figures behind it. You know, since they delayed that for Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, that was a big deal. And it was really cool. And then also, I think the first major boxing event that got held during the pandemic had, when it first started last year, had 5,000 viewers, like at its peak. And then Joe Rogan talking in a fight companion about fights gets more live streams than that. It gets like 10,000 more, it gets, gets like 10 times more live streams than that. So, yeah, boxing needs to get their stuff together, seriously, because. Just it hasn't even it wasn't even that long ago. Thinking back to the '90s and the late '80s, obviously I wasn't around. But just looking back and seeing, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse: Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hag Marvin Hagler, and Roberto Duran all fighting each other. You you would never see that today. You don't see Terence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence all fighting each other. Uh, I guess you could throw in. Uh, what's his name, Keith Thurman, we're not seeing these guys all fight each other, we saw Pacquiao and Keith Thurman fight, which I think that was like two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, it felt like a long time ago, we're not seeing that happen today, and it's, that's the reason why boxers are, boxing is just second place uh, as far as viewers, viewerships, and, and pay-per-view records and stuff like that, so yeah, as far as boxing goes, there's not really any big news there, there, you know, there aren't enough big name fights for me to talk about, really. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm just going to put it plainly like that. But, so that all being, that all aside, let's get to the main card for this fight night. So, it's actually a pretty underrated fight night. It's, it's really solid, actually. It could, it could be kind of a weaker pay-per-view if it was a pay-per-view. I would still watch it. You know, I, I watch I watch every single UFC card. But so starting off on the main card, we have Mike Perry fighting Daniel Rodriguez. So I usually when when I talk about someone who's a fan favorite, you know, obviously I call them a fan favorite. When it comes to Mike Perry, it's like I don't know what a fan unfavorite. I don't really know. Not a lot of people like Mike Perry. And there, there are reasons for that. I'm not going to get into them. But yeah, Mike Perry is 29 years old. He looks a lot older because of, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I did not know he was 29 years old. He's pretty young. But he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez. Daniel Rodriguez is 13-2, and two, and he's lost once in the UFC to Nicholas Dalby in his, his last time out at 255. That was a decision loss. I did think that Daniel won that fight, I'm, but, you know, it happens. Decisions happen. Bad decisions could go, you know, they happen all the time. Not every bad decision is a robbery, something that fans need to understand when they call every close fight a robbery. But, so Daniel Rodriguez, he's he's got jujitsu skills. He's got a submission and a knockout, a couple decision wins. But I do think, as as annoying as Mike Perry is as a person, he did look pretty good when he fought Mickey Gall. So we know that on the ground he's he's not as bad as 
It's not as bad as he looks. So this could be an interesting fight, but I do think it's going to be a slow fight. I'm not really... I, I couldn't really see Daniel Rodriguez going for the kill trying to knock Mike Perry out, but I do think Mike Perry could come in with a chip on his shoulder. He has been going through, he, he's had a couple out of the octagon issues that could fuel him to come out with a, with a newfound purpose and just come out with an energy that maybe the energy we saw him carry when he fought Mickey Gall. So I am predicting Mike Perry is going to win. I think he's going to win by decision and potential fireworks. That's all I'm going to say. So the next fight on this card, we have Nina, actually Nina Nunez. I just read that he she's going to be introduced as Nina Nunez because that's Amanda Nunez's wife. She, I think this is her first fight since her kid was born. I don't think she fought in 2020, so that'll be exciting. But Nina is an underrated strawweight fighter because she's never been finished in her entire, I think she's been in the UFC for seven years. She's never been finished and... You know, she doesn't finish a lot of people either. She has, I think, one finish in her entire career, but it was a submission. So she's pretty good. She's a pretty good fighter on the ground. She has this, you know, the submission threat is there, but she's fighting Mackenzie Dern. And Mackenzie Dern is a really exciting prospect coming, you know, making her way up the the ranks. Her only loss in the UFC and actually in her entire MMA career was to Amanda Hebus, who is another fan favorite, who's a really solid jiu-jitsu fighter. But we did see Amanda get knocked out. That's a topic for another, another discussion. But Mackenzie's got some serious jiu-jitsu too. She has, I think, half of her UFC wins come by way of submission. So this will be, we could see some high-level grappling here, which I'm really excited for because I do appreciate grappling, especially when it's high-level high-level grappling. Like, something I was really excited for was Ben Askren and Damian Maya. I wanted to see how Ben Askren did against a great grappler because the only two guys he had fought was Robbie Lawler, who's not a great grappler, and Jorge Masvidal, who not a great grappler either. And, you know, we all know what happened with those two fights, but we ended up seeing him strike more than we wanted, and then eventually Damian Maya submitted Ben, so that's that. But this is going to be an exciting, a really exciting grappling fight I think and I'm not really quite too sure where to lean here because Nina has a lot of experience and nobody's attempted to submit Nina while she's been in the UFC so we'll see what happens here I do think Mackenzie is going to try to submit her and I'm just I'm not sure if she's going to be able to pull it off but definitely she's going to land takedowns and just kind of control the fight from there like I said, I don't think Mackenzie's going to be able to officially submit Nina, but I, I believe we will see two or three submission attempts, and maybe she will land one. I could be wrong, but I do think Mackenzie's going to just out-grapple and out-wrestle Nina and win by decision. So moving on to the next fight, third fight in the card, we have Smiling Sam Alvey fighting Julian Marquez in the middleweight division. So Sam Alvey is a fan favorite, I think. I definitely like to watch him fight. I love, you know, his his kind of outgoing, bubbly, extrovert personality. But he is coming up to, he could be fighting in potentially his last UFC fight. He's been in an unfortunate stretch his last five fights. So he he's on a, he was on a four loss streak, and then his last fight out was a draw. So Sam Alvey could be in 
I don't want to say panic mode because he's 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 got too much experience. He's too much of a veteran to come out crazy. But we could definitely see a more urgent Sam Malvey. And he's fighting Julian Marquez, of course, like I said earlier. Julian is, you know, he's kind of young in his fighting career. He's only he's only had 10 fights as opposed to Sam Malvey's, what was that, 40? He's got 48 fights. So, obviously, the experience advantage is going to go to Sam. But Julian also, he, he he's coming off of a submission win just a little bit over a month and a half ago. And before that, he hadn't fought in almost three years. He lost in the Ultimate Fighter, and then he came back after almost three years and then got a submission win. So we could be seeing kind of a career a career restart for him, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's, I think he's just going to come in more hungry. I think Sam Alvey is just, you know, he's on the decline. We've seen it. He, like I said, draw in his last fight and then four losses before that. And I think two of those four losses were by knockout. And then... The fight before that draw against Ryan Spann, we saw him, I swear, when he, he got stuck in that arm triangle when they were standing up against the cage, I swear he it looked like he went out. His eyes got wide, and I I bet you the, the lights turned off for a second or two, but he was able to make it through and then still lose to decision, or uh, by decision. So I do think Julian is going to come in. He's going to be a lot, he's just a lot more hungry, and he's ready to try to make a name for himself in this kind of weak and bleak middleweight division. So I think Julian's going to come in. And I think he's going to knock out Sam in the second round. So coming up to the co-main event is a really exciting fight between two featherweights. Two, you know, two featherweights that are really on the rise. We have Sodiq Yusuf versus Arnold Allen. So this is a pivotal fight for the featherweight division, definitely. I think these two guys could break out into the top five with with one or two possibly I guess if it's like really crowded uh three wins up into the top five of the featherweight division because Arnold Allen is number 10 I think in the featherweight rankings and Sadiq is 11 so these are these are uh kind of almost cream of the crop for the featherweight division which a really stacked featherweight division I'm I have to add here and both guys are undefeated in the UFC both guys only have one loss in their entire professional mixed martial arts career so here's what's going to happen <laughs> in my opinion I think we're going to see really high IQ and really high class high level striking because Arnold Allen Arnold Allen has uh, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu but that purple belt belt you know a lot of people might sleep on his submission skills but they shouldn't because he's got a few submission wins and he's actively looking for submissions when the fight does go to the ground. But he also has loads of knockouts and he's also undefeated in his kickboxing and boxing career. I think he did both of those amateur and he has like three wins in each sport. So the guy has really solid striking and he's also the threat of the submission is is always lingering when you're fighting Arnold Allen. So he has that playing towards his advantage. And then Sadiq is a guy that, like I said, only has one loss in his entire MMA career. And that was by knockout. It was before he got to the UFC. And then since then, he's just basically been outstriking every single opponent he has. So, like I said, we're going to see some fireworks in this one for sure. But I do think Arnold Allen's kind of small. I, I don't want to say small is in a bad way. But the, the threat of Arnold Allen 
shooting for a takedown and throwing Sadiq off of his striking rhythm is there. And I think that's ultimately what what Arnold is probably going to do is toss in a takedown attempt every once in a while. And if he does get Sadiq to the ground, he has the grappling advantage and we could see him submit Sadiq or at least attempt. But I think he's going to use the threat of the takedown to get Sadiq to open up and then eventually land something over top um, or an uppercut maybe when while Sadiq tries to stuff the takedown. But I, I, yeah, I think Arnold is going to throw in a couple takedowns, get Sadiq second-guessing, and I think he's going to knock him out in the second round. So moving on to the main event. This is a fight that we didn't really know we were going to get until just recently because it was originally Marvin Vittori and Darren Till, which was a really exciting and pivotal fight because either either one of those guys between Darren Till and Marvin Vittori could be getting a title shot. You know, it's Israel Adesanya's choice, of course, because he's middleweight champion, but I don't think if Kevin Holland wins, he's going to get a title shot. But Marvin Vittori, we, we very well could see him get a rematch against Israel Adesanya and fight for the title soon. But obviously, Kevin Holland is a G. He just lost about a month ago to Derek Brunson. Yeah, actually, less than a month ago, he lost to Derek Brunson. But, you know, Derek didn't do too much damage to him, so he didn't get a medical suspension, I don't think at all. Or if he did, it was very little. So he was able to step up and fight against a a dangerous guy in Marvin Vittori. So, obviously, Kevin Holland has some jiu-jitsu skills, but his striking, I think, is is his real strength. I think Travis Luter would allude to the fact that his submission skills are probably more import, uh, more dangerous, but I think his striking is really underrated. And especially his, just his, his, from a pure boxing standpoint, he's got some really solid, you know, his range and his, like his range, his range management and his ability to land precise and powerful and quick shots with that reach advantage that he has almost over almost everybody is it's really underrated. I'm not saying that he threw the fight against Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson beat him. He was able to hold him down and just basically control the fight for five rounds. But when Kevin Holland was, when they were on the feet, Kevin Holland was able to land some damaging shots and, and some shots that stunned Derek Brunson. So on the feet, Kevin Holland is really solid. We saw him do a Philly Shell role like Floyd Mayweather, which is crazy because, you know, Philly Shell is already a real, is it an advanced technique when it comes to boxing. And to do it in the UFC is so dangerous because, you know, with boxing, if a shot is landed and you, you don't roll it off the shoulder, if anybody knows, if you know what I'm talking about with the Philly Shell technique, it's holding the lead arm down tucking your chin and holding your shoulder up so you can roll shots off off of your shoulders and then roll to your roll to your uh your rear arm your rear hand and then block block hooks and stuff like that it's hard to i can't really put it into words but just watch floyd mayweather's defensive fighting style and you'll see it's really dangerous to to do that technique anyways but with small gloves you know in boxing if someone lands a shot and you miss the shoulder roll you can just eat the shot if it's not super precise or right on the chin or just hits you in the nose or whatever. But with those little gloves, you know, there's potential to cut and knock anybody out. Uh, and we saw Kevin Holland, you know, he's a risky guy. He likes to play around. He likes to talk trash. And it's just a fun fighting style. And 
definitely Marvin Vittori. He's like the most aggressive non-steroid user I've ever seen in the UFC. The dude is always mad. And we've seen him in the past just like, he's like the juggernaut in X-Men. He's just banging his head against the cage wall. And he's just an aggressive, just manly man. And he's a really good wrestler. And his last time out, we saw him dominate Jack Hermanson, who's another really dangerous middleweight. Before that, we saw him submit Carl Roberson. He's he's on a tear. He hasn't lost since he fought Israel Adesanya, and he's improved a lot since then. And that being said, Martin Vittori, dangerous wrestler. Kevin Holland saw what happened when he fought uh, Derek Brunson, who's another strong wrestler recently. So, obviously, of course... Marvin Vittori is the favorite coming into this fight, but, and especially looking at the fact that Marvin is, I don't think he's ever been knocked out. I think his, he has four losses and a draw on his record, and all of them are by decision. So he's a really, he's got a tough chin and he's just really hard to finish. We've never seen him get finished in his 21 fight, 21 fight professional career. So, but if there's anybody who's able to do it by strikes, or even by submission, it's Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland has really good jiu-jitsu skills. Obviously, he's a black belt. He got his black belt from Travis Luter, who's a really, really good coach, and he was a good, solid former fighter, too. So, I I can see Kevin Holland playing it. He's got a really big reach advantage over Marvin, of course. Marvin's kind of a stumpier guy, and Kevin is really long and lanky, and that's why I think his striking is so dangerous, and he can... If he turns it on at any point, he he has the strength and the precision to knock anybody out in the entire middleweight division. So I'm really excited for this one, and I don't think it's going to be so cut and dry as to Marvin Vittori needs to take Kevin Holland down and submit him. It's, you know, Kevin Kevin definitely, I mean, Dana, it was really funny when Dana White basically just chalked up Holland's loss to Derek Brunson to he had a mental breakdown. Uh, it just didn't look like he was serious. It was really weird because he had me fooled. Like going into the fourth and fifth round, after we saw Kevin rock Derek Brunson, uh, I think in the third or fourth, I was like, "All right, the dude's just like playing with this prey. He's just messing with him. He's gonna turn it on and he's gonna finish Derek." Because we saw him just all of a sudden for ten seconds get serious, start striking, and then was able to hurt Brunson badly. I thought it was gonna finish him, and he he didn't. So I think Kevin is that was kind of a a sobering loss for him and you know he said it was embarrassing a lot of people were clowning on him so that's definitely going to have him coming out a lot more dialed in and focused. So this is a this is not as this is more of a close fight than the odds show and that the fans are leading on to in my humble opinion. So ah, this is a really tough one for me to pick because Marvin is at the top of his game and I like I said, I do think Kevin is coming in with a chip on his shoulder. So this is going to be a hard one. But I'm going to make a crazy prediction and predict that Kevin Holland is going to knock out Marvin Vittori in the third round. I think Marvin is going to try and even successfully wrestle Kevin Holland a bunch. But he's not going to be able to finish him with ground and pound. And he's going to wear himself out. And I think Kevin's going to... Kevin, if he hasn't already, he will get into... Marvin's head and kind of mentally mess with him and then get him to you know not abandon the game plan but do a little too much and kind of blow his load a little early and get tired so 
yeah, that's my crazy prediction. I think Kevin is going to start picking him apart in the third round and then knock Marvin out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Zendependently Minded. Don't forget to check out my Zendependent News segments, which are usually posted every Monday or Tuesday. I'm having a lot of fun with those, and I hope you guys are too. And if there's any feedback or criticisms you can give me, let me know. I think you can send me a voice message through Anchor. Go follow me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, Facebook page, comment anywhere, or even on YouTube. I almost forgot about YouTube. It's posted, I try to post it everywhere, so if you have any kind of feedback or tips or advice or criticisms, let me know. And, of course, as always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies, and thank you.